Good morning and welcome into the show. It is Daniel Werman coming to you live from the Dreamaginate Sports Studios. It is 9 a.m. on the East Coast. This is your 6 a.m. super early morning wake-up call in all time zones in between and around the world. Thanks for tuning in on this Tuesday, April the 7th. Hope you're having a great day. Hope you're staying safe, washing those hands, social distancing, etc., etc. Together, we'll get through this, hopefully sooner rather than later. I know uh, everyone's lives have been interrupted uh, during this process, but, um, you know, uh, it is... It's a situation we're all working through together, and hopefully uh, we get through it sooner rather than later. A lot of breaking news yesterday. Sports, um, you know, on hold, but the uh, sports world uh, and and the legal worlds collided yesterday in a couple of ways. Uh, Coming up after the break, uh, we are going to have uh, Zachary Zagger on the show. He's going to come on to talk a little bit about what uh, broke yesterday concerning uh, Fox and uh, World Cup broadcasting rights. And uh, and another story that broke yesterday as well in the New York Times from Tarek Panja and Kevin Draper, um, U.S. prosecutors say, say Qatar and Russia bribed FIFA officials. Um, after years of investigations and indictments, the United States Department of Justice on Monday, said for the first time that representatives working for Russia and Qatar had bribed former FIFA officials to secure hosting rights for soccer's World Cup. Prosecutors made the accusations in an indictment charging three media executives and a sports marketing company with a number of crimes, including wire fraud and money laundering in connection with bribes to secure television and marketing rights for international soccer tournaments. The accusations were the latest salvo in a years-long corruption case that has already produced convictions of numerous soccer officials and executives and depositions from former leaders of FIFA. Soccer's world-governing body never before, though, have prosecutors so clearly described the scheme that helped deliver the votes that gave Russia and Qatar hosting rights for one of the world's biggest sporting events. Now, just to, to refresh your memory, if, if, if you've forgotten... It was long speculated that the favorites for the 2018 and 2022 World Cup hosting rights were England and the United States, respectively. So there was a lot of belief that England were well positioned to host the World Cup in 2018 and the U.S. for 2022. And then out of nowhere, Russia and Qatar end up getting the rights and those blatant moves really set off a lot of alarm bells or what have you. This has been ongoing for a while and, uh, and I don't think we're done. I think there's more to come. Uh, And I, and I think this Fox news, which is a separate, uh, article that came out yesterday uh, in terms of the the Fox News uh, indictments. I think I think that's just going to be more and more strings to pull, more more trails to go down to find more information. The U.S. prosecutors on Monday explicitly revealed details about money paid to five members of FIFA's top board ahead of the 2010 vote that picked Russia and Qatar as hosts. Russia defeated England in joint bids from Holland, Belgium, and Spain, Portugal to host the tournament in 2018. Qatar, a tiny desert state that has spent billions of dollars to prepare for the 2022 World Cup, defeated the U.S. in a runoff by a group of voters that had already been trimmed because two members had been secretly filmed agreeing to sell their votes. Three South American officials, according to the indictment, received payments to vote for Qatar. One of the officials, Julio Grandana of Argentina, died before he was accused of crimes in a 2015 indictment. Another, Nicolas Leoz, 
died in Paraguay last year while under house arrest and fighting extradition to the United States. The third man, Ricardo Teixeira, the former leader of soccer in Brazil, remains in that country, which does not have an extradition treaty with the United States. Sometimes your mouth just doesn't move when you want it to. Leos and Teixeira were indicted in 2015 on charges related to bribery schemes to sell lucrative soccer rights to sports broadcasters. The U.S. prosecutors also stated in Monday's indictment that the former soccer official Jack Warner of Trinidad and Tobago, who has been fighting extradition to the U.S. since 2015, received $5 million through a string of shell companies to vote for Russia. Some of the money, the indictment said, came from companies based in the United States that performed work on behalf of the 2018 Russia World Cup bid. Interesting. Like I said, keep pulling strings. More to come. Rafael Saguero, a a Guatemalan soccer official who pleaded guilty in 2016 to money laundering, and fraud charges in an earlier soccer indictment received $1 million to give his vote to Russia, the indictment said. None of the former soccer officials were immediately available for comment. Officials at Russia's Soccer Federation and FIFA did not reply to an email sent after business hours to request comment. Qatar has long denied allegations of acting improperly and has faced a slew of accusations ever since it started bidding for soccer's biggest prize. A FIFA document alluded to the bribery scheme last year. The names of Grandana, Leos, and Teixeira and references to payments they received were included in an ethics document justifying a lifetime suspension of Teixeira. The allegations against the South Americans mirror those made by an Argentine television executive who turned state's witness after being named as a central figure in the soccer corruption case. He said at the New York trial of three other officials in 2017 that Leos, Grandona, and Teixeira had been paid to vote for Qatar. The votes for the two World Cups were heavily marred by accusations of corruption. More than half of the people involved, including the former FIFA president, Sepp Blatter, have been accused of wrongdoing. The choice of Qatar, a place with such high temperatures that FIFA was required to move the World Cup to a cooler time of the year for the first time since the tournament debuted in 1930, received most of the attention after the votes. But Russia, too, has faced a number of allegations of improper bidding behavior. Russian officials told a FIFA panel that investigations that investigated its bid that they could not turn over computers used during the process to a FIFA investigator because they had all been destroyed. Imagine that. Last May, almost a year after Russia staged the World Cup, Gianni Infantino, who came out of relative obscurity to secure the FIFA presidency after the corruption scandal took down almost all of FIFA senior leadership, received the Order of Friendship Medal from President Vladimir V. Putin of Russia. We talked about it uh, last week on the show. FIFA went after Trinidad and Tobago. Gianni Infantino. The headline is talking about Infantino's revenge. It certainly appears that although Sepp Blatter is gone, the corruption at FIFA continues under Infantino. And more and more, these doors are turning, these strings are being pulled, and... People are going down as they should. And that investigation needs to not just continue from stateside. It needs to continue stateside. And we're going to get into a little bit of this coming up shortly uh, after the break with uh, Zachary Zagger, who's a lawyer who um, was uh, talking about this uh, yesterday as well on social media. So we're going to pick his brain, get his thoughts on what he's seeing so far with uh, with this Fox case. Look, the bottom line is the way things have been done within the game of soccer is a quid pro quo, money under the table, you do me a favor, I'll do you a favor. And it's gone on for a very, very long time. This isn't new. 
It's just that Russia and Qatar had gotten so big, so out of hand that it it caused people to to really take a reexamination. But this is this is kind of standard behavior, and and quite frankly, when you look at the United States Soccer Federation, we we had Chuck Blazer before he passed away was caught up in all of this. Chuck Blazer is responsible for U.S. soccer's exemption from FIFA to uh, to not have to enforce promotion and relegation. Chuck Blazer uh, it w- preceded Sunil Gulati in the the exco seat with FIFA. Chuck Blazer heavily involved with Concacaf. Jack Warner. You don't think all these things are connected? That U.S. soccer and all of its people are, are just completely oblivious to how things work? This Fox TV deal is troubling if you are involved with the Federation because it starts to get closer to home. You start to see smoke over the horizon. It's not across the it's not necessarily across the ocean anymore. It might be just across the horizon. We need transparency. It's something we've talked about on this show for a long time, and it's long overdue. And I'm glad that the uh, the legal challenges continue to come and uh, come for the game globally. We need things run properly good governance, transparency, things Carlos Cordero said he was going to do, didn't do. Now Cindy Cohn and Will Wilson have an opportunity to do it as well. We'll see what they do, but uh, it's necessary. And it's necessary even if at this point it's just a preventative measure, even if it's a proactive preventative measure to keep U.S. soccer afloat. To say, hey, we're, we're going fully transparent. We cannot afford any more legal challenges. Let's get this stuff out in the open. Um, even for that reason, it's a good idea. Our sponsor this half hour is Ductic Brand. D-U-K-T-I-G brand.com. If you, if you haven't taken a moment, go there today. D-U-K-T-I-G brand. Ductic brand.com. Check them out. And when you find something you like, maybe it's a t-shirt, maybe maybe it's it's a notebook, all soccer specific stuff here. It's it's really good good stuff, especially if you're at home and you're trying to figure out how to get back on the field and making notes and you know, working on things. This is this is the place you need to go right now. Ductigbrand.com, use promo code DW show, you'll get 10% off of your order when you place that order today. 10% off when you place that order today. DW show. We'll be right back after this.
show. Thanks for tuning in on this Tuesday, April the 7th. A lot going on, even though we we didn't think it was uh, going to be going on yesterday. Uh, But all kinds of news broke, as we talked about at the top of the show. Um, the, The Qatar and Russia FIFA bribes and all of that that's going on. But there's something else going on as well and we have uh zach zagger he is a senior reporter for law 360 they cover sports and betting legal issues and uh, we'd like to welcome uh, zach to the show how are you hi thank you for having me thanks for uh for coming on we we appreciate it um Yesterday, uh, all kinds of news is breaking. One of those stories that broke uh, concerns Fox. Can you tell us a little bit more about uh, what you uncovered and and what you're seeing so far uh, with the uh, the indictments? Yeah, so it was um, a, a bit of a surprise yesterday to hear that uh, new indictments were going to be unveiled. Um, uh, we had known that the prosecutor's office in Brooklyn had... Um, continued their investigation and that they were still looking into this. Um, but, you know, they, they say that often and you, you don't know where it's going to lead. Um, but yesterday we received word that they were going to unveil new indictments, uh, which they did. And uh, interesting part of that is they named uh, two uh, former Fox executives working in Latin America as defendants here, charging them with uh, wire fraud and wire fraud conspiracy uh, for allegedly participating in a conspiracy to pay bribes to to secure rights to the uh, Copa Libertadores tournament in South America. Um, interesting part about that was is a part of their scheme uh, is that they are alleged to have used uh, their relationships with all these individuals in the conspiracy to obtain some confidential bidding information on the World Cup rights. Uh, and as we all know, Fox eventually went on to win those uh, World Cup rights for 2018 and 2022. Uh, so it does, uh, you know, raise some some controversy around the awarding of those rights. And uh, Fox, of course, has now extended their rights through 2026. Um, so we'll, we'll see what uh, happens with that. But this is the f- first time we've seen criminal allegations uh, against uh, Fox or, or, or Fox executives uh, in this uh, widespread and uh, still ongoing probe. So in, in terms of the specific indictments uh, with the, the individuals or, or companies that were involved, uh, what were the specifics that, that you can see so far in terms of um, you know, what they were accused of? Was it specific to television rights? Was it specific to how they obtained the information for the television rights? What were you un, uh, uh, able to uncover with that? Yeah. Well, uh, f- first off, the, the indictment uh, does name them, but the allegations contained in the indictment pertaining to them are, are, are very short. The, uh, they're in uh, one or two sections of the indictment, uh, along with allegations against a number of other individuals. Um, but what basically what they're alleged to have uh, done is participated in this uh, broad conspiracy with a number of other um, officials and sports marketing executives that have already been named in, in, in prior indictments uh, to pay bribes to South American soccer officials, officials uh, part of CONMEBOL, uh, representatives of the individual soccer playing nations in South America, uh, to secure television and marketing rights to the uh, Copa Libertadores tournament. So that's where their involvement is in this uh, uh, broader corruption, uh, so to speak, is, is this Copa Libertadores tournament. But in that, uh, prosecutors say they were able to leverage their relationships with the other individuals in the conspiracy, uh, and in particular with one unnamed co-conspirator, um, who was uh, alleged to have handed them over some confidential information uh, about the bidding for the uh, World Cup television rights. Uh, And then they were able to use that and some other uh, unspecific information uh, to help further Fox's business interests in soccer. Uh, And these two individuals um, worked for two Latin American arms of of Fox Broadcasting. Uh, But it does uh, pull... 
you know, Fox into this whole mess. Uh, we've already seen some civil allegations against Fox from some others. Um, they've always been like kind of tangentially related to this, but this kind of pulls uh, some direct allegations with some individuals associated with Fox and in, in, into this uh, broader corruption uh, scheme. Before we get into the the what could happen <laughs> type of situation, I, I first want to um, ask you about the possible um, connections here. So you've you've talked about Copa Libertadores, but um, and and you've talked about getting confidential information for uh, the the negotiations for uh, FIFA World Cup. Um, is there any indication that there is or could be uh, related to Fox um, a a harder look at um, all of their soccer properties, how they were obtained, and that that would include obviously the World Cup. Uh, recently, they they had the uh, the UEFA Champions League until they lost it to Turner, um, and then obviously they have uh, contracts with um, you know the U.S. Soccer Federation through Soccer United Marketing uh, for national team uh, domestic matches as well as some other TV properties, uh, including Major League Soccer. So how how involved, uh, I guess, when you pull one string, is it possible that, that they are going down, these investigators are going down kind of the entire list of soccer properties within Fox to, to see what else they uncover? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it, it's it's hard for me to say at this point, you know, exactly what other deals could be um, implicated here, if any. But uh, what I can say is, is that um, we've seen uh, two things so far in this investigation. One is it's still focused on Latin America, South America and Central America and the, and the broadcasting rights for the tournaments, uh, it, you know, in, in those areas. So we haven't seen a lot of uh, allegations going beyond that, except uh, tied to um, the World Cup and uh, uh, hosting um, it within FIFA. But so right now, the, the, the focus of the investigation continues to be um, on this side of the planet, so to speak. But. Uh, the other thing uh, we, we need to watch out for, and I think Fox is probably already watching out for, and so are all of the other companies that do business uh, in, in, in global soccer, is that prosecutors are continuing this investigation. And, and the way they work uh, on these types of corruption investigations, and from what we've seen so far just in, in this, the way this uh, this particular investigation has expanded is, you know, they, they indict some individuals, then they're able to get some individuals to cooperate. They're able to get other cooperators, which then leads them to other individuals, which then leads them to other cooperators. And they slowly continue to build out the investigation in that way. And so we had seen the investigation grow. Um, and, you know, I, I wasn't necessarily expecting it to go further, uh, though, even though they said that they were still pursuing it. But now that we've seen some new allegations come out uh, i wouldn't expect this to be the last set of allegations so i'm sure all the companies are going to be looking at what conduct uh the conduct of all their individuals uh in all these deals uh and so it's very possible that we could see uh, more allegations related to other deals within soccer whether it be for uh television rights or marketing rights or um you know whether it just be for hosting rights for tournaments um but yeah. What what the the big takeaway here is that the investigation is still continuing to grow. So uh, I, I would be on high alert for for more allegations and and new potential uh, defendants. In terms of um, kind of let, let's kind of zoom out for just a second out of out of Fox. Uh, this is more mm-hmm. of a, a kind of a what you were just uh, talking through, which is you know where this thing could go, connecting dots, you know rolling over witnesses to, to roll over on others, etc. Um, when you zoom out of this one case and you look at international uh, football, international soccer, and all of the, the legal things that have been taking place 
um, for quite a while. It started under the Obama administration. It's continued under the Trump administration um, with all of these investigations and and indictments. And and it seems like you know with every string we pull, there's more strings to pull. Um, that that we're we're certainly not at the end of the uh the process you know when we think something's died down then all of a sudden this comes out uh and and then the the uh, other news of the day yesterday uh with the indictments uh and accusations uh from the fbi concerning of uh, the qatar and russia um you know hosting rights and bids etc so when when we look at this on a macro level um we have not seen much um in terms of within the United States, U.S. companies, U.S. individuals, um, the closest connection to the United States Soccer Federation, the national governing body for the sport, uh, was uh, was Chuck Blazer, who uh, who passed away after being indicted as part of this whole scandal, um, but was well known for uh, you know doing the the bidding and the work of the federation within Concacaf and FIFA. Um, you know it was it was his work that secured um you know a an exemption from fifa in regards to uh the united states not having to implement promotion and relegation and that deal is what was cited in a recent court of arbitration and sport case uh brought against the federation it was that deal that fifa cited uh in in u.s soccer cited as their defense as to why um, the court of arbitration and sport uh, didn't have to enforce uh, the the rule. They basically said FIFA can do whatever they want in that regard, and they've granted U.S. Soccer a, an exemption, even though it's not written. It's acknowledged in these 2007 minutes of a FIFA meeting, and therefore, you know, sorry, you lose. Kind of is basically what what happened in that case. But on a macro level, what I, I'm curious about is how much. Uh, as this stuff keeps digging, how much longer is it that U.S. soccer is able to completely stay out of the fray? Or do you think at some point they might, too, be in trouble uh, in terms of how, how this stuff uh, is, is continuing to be dug into? Or they are they just, you know, uh, have you seen anything that says there there might be a little smoke here that, uh, that the, the FBI needs to be searching into themselves? Um, yeah, I mean, as far as I can, uh, what I can say on that is, is uh, you know, I don't have any specifics on what um, U.S. soccer's involvement could be, um, but I, I am sure, and uh, they are looking hard at. Uh, uh, all of the conduct of their individuals, and they've probably conducted a number of internal reviews to um, determine what their potential exposure to, to criminal uh, charges is. Of course, we've seen U.S. soccer has had a lot of changeover in leadership in recent years, um, and they're dealing with a lot of other issues on the domestic front as far as uh, an ongoing uh, lawsuit with um, the U.S. women's national team players. Um you know, but right now uh, it, it's tough to say. Um, but like I said before, uh, it, it does seem that prosecutors are slowly broadening um, the, this investigation and, um, you know, bringing charges against these two um, Fox executives, you know, in my opinion, suggests that, you know, that they are moving closer um to 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 the United States, so to speak. So, um, you know, there is a possibility we could see more uh, more charges related directly to uh, what U.S. soccer, or what uh, companies in the United States uh, have done specifically uh, in regards to this investigation. But uh, I still think it's a little uh, too early to tell at this point. Um, you know, I guess the other thing uh, with this whole uh, corruption investigation is that you know there's been wide speculation. Um, that global soccer is corrupt and that this, these types of uh, criminal activity have, has been going on for, for decades. So, um, you know, it would not surprise me if we, we saw more charges, but, you know, it's tough to say anything specific at this point in time. So from a process standpoint, uh, to kind of speak to, to something that I think you, you can walk us through or give us an idea of from a process standpoint, um, Walk us through 
time, like timelines of these types of investigations and how they actually work in terms of, it, it seems to me from what I've read and, and looked at this and I, I'm not a lawyer, so, um, you know, I have no, no, uh, I didn't stay at a holiday Inn last night, so I can't claim that either. Um, <laughs> uh, although at this point, I don't know that anybody's staying at a holiday Inn. um, yeah. uh, but uh, in terms of the process and and how how the investigations go pr- procedurally, they're not necessarily linear, right? I mean, you you go down, you, you chase down a clue, you track, and then you see where it leads. But it's not necessarily as if okay, we got these two guys. It directly leads to this, to this, to this. It's sometimes roundabout, and and it takes time. When you're going through investigations like this, we've already seen this thing has lasted more than what five, six, seven, eight years, maybe longer, um, and and it's continuing on with more indictments, and we're continuing to see different strings pulled. Is this more of like a spider web? type of investigation and and what kind of timelines do you see with these kind of racketeering and other charges that have been coming out in terms of uh, you know the the process the, the timeline wise for for that as well yeah so I, I think you're right it is it is sort of like a web um the way i picture it is if you know if you took take an individual a, a defendant's face and you you put a circle and then you have spokes coming out of that circle and that connects them to other people and then then that person has other spokes and then sometimes the spokes connect back to somebody else that's already been you know been connected uh to to another individual so it kind of builds out that in like a web kind of uh way uh and you know it does take time because because uh, you know prosecutors will you know bring these allegations that they, they can uh you know they bring them in secret at first uh, before grand jury the grand jury then uh will determine and that's that's a group of individuals who meet um uh in secret they look at the evidence and then they determine whether there's sufficient evidence to bring an actual formal indictment and that's what we had here so we had a grand jury formally, uh, this is a, a formal grand jury indictment of these individuals. So those allegations have already met an initial level of, um, uh, the, the prosecutors have already met some initial burden of proof here, or at least allegations showing that um, there could be a crime here. Um, but yeah, it, it does take time because because once you, you have an individual that's been caught into this web, um, you know, generally, you know, investigators will try to try to turn them if they think that, that that person can lead them to further individuals and continue to grow that web, uh, and particularly if they can, if that individual can tie them to bigger fish, so to speak. So if they can bring in uh, even bigger, uh, uh, more high profile defendants, uh, th- then, the, then they'll give them that. And then they work out, usually work out some sort of deal, whether it be a non-prosecution agreement or an agreement to recommend uh, lenient sentencing. And so then you have uh, attorneys involved in negotiating that deal. So these can all take time. And what we saw from the first uh, trial was a a key cooperator was uh, Alejandro Brazaco, who was um, a South American soccer marketing executive. Um, And he was he ended up turning himself in after the arrests in Zurich in 2015. And he, he was the key witness that tied uh, all of it together and was, was able to bring in some more individuals in the, in the second and third indictments that we saw uh, in, in this, in this investigation. So, and, and that was between May 15, May 2015 to December, 2017, we saw the first trial um, and then now December, 2017 till now, uh, it's taken that long to bring this, this su- fifth superseding indictment. So it, it does take, you know, a matter of years for this to grow. Um, you know, it, it, so, so it is a, a long intensive process and, and we've seen that, uh, with, we, we generally see that with other investigations, but like I said, that, you know, things are still ongoing. So, um, you know, they're probably still working on trying to turn more individuals now as we speak. And we'll see if this indictment leads to some other people maybe turning themselves in or deciding to cooperate. So, you know, sometimes it can be, uh, you know, it, it can move in um, spurts uh, like that. So we'll, we'll see if something that comes out in the, in the coming months, if there's another broader indictment. Um, and I would like to add too, uh, you know, I, I, 
they're both uh, Fox Soccer marketing executives. Their attorneys are denying the charges, so you expect them to to plead not guilty. Um, and it, it, it's hard to say right now whether you know they they have any reason to cooperate or not. But they they are denying the charges, so we'll see what happens with them. Uh, but like I said, it can move in spurts. So you know that we could see another superseding indictment come down in a matter of a few months. So looking at where we are in this in this process um is it your opinion that we are nowhere near the end that that more is likely to come and why is why is it just for the, for the for the audience why is it can you explain to the audience why it is uh the united states that is able to do this and and not other countries around the world uh, yeah, I mean, well, the, the prosecutors in New York, both the Southern District and the Eastern District, really um, view their jurisdiction broadly. Um, and they can do that because New York is home to so much uh, international business. And uh, all they need is some sort of wire transfer or some sort of transaction that happens, uh, either going through banks that are uh, in New York or uh, Really, it, it doesn't take too much activity within the United States for the for the United States to assert its jurisdiction over these matters. And when the Department of Justice does decide to to, to go into uh, an area like this and to conduct an investigation, um, they're always sure to find information that can can bring that connection to the United States. Um, but of course, you know these things do have a huge impact. Uh, you know, soccer may still not be the biggest sport in the United States, but there's a lot of money uh, in the United States being spent on soccer. We see television rights, millions of dollars spent on it, and it, it is a growing sport. So um, when and, and, and how this investigation really started was the United States lost out on the World Cup hosting rights to uh, their bid loss to Qatar uh, for the 2022 World Cup. So you can see that there is an impact here in the United States. So, and like I said, prosecutors in New York, especially, um, really try to go out and, and 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 go after these broader corruption, global corruption schemes, uh, and they like to think of themselves as being sort of a, you know, a, a, I don't want to say like a world police, but of uh, where they can go after global corruption uh, and the individuals that are responsible for doing that. Uh, so uh, I'm not surprised to see them take on something like this. Uh, and the, the other thing too, is to go back to what you mentioned about whether or not we would see more U S defendants. Of course, it's much easier for them to bring charges against U S defendants. It's much easier for them to apprehend the defendants and, and, and easier to connect whatever criminal activity is to, to, to the United States. So in that sense that the fact that they haven't brought more charges, you know, could be that they don't have evidence yet to do so, but, but we'll see. Well, it's, it's been rumored in the past um, for several years that there, that there were some Americans that uh, were caught up in this and, and, you know, have basically immunity deals to basically help uh, the investigations. Um, That's, that's been whispered and rumored throughout the Federation for a while that there are some in, in high profile positions that, uh, that, that, received immunity deals in exchange for, uh, uh, you know, rolling over on others. So, uh, you know, I don't know that maybe that's part of it. Maybe that, maybe that really did play out or, or maybe, uh, they've just been really good so far at, at, uh, covering their tracks and, and, um, you know, we'll see how long that lasts. Um, I, I, I find it hard to believe that, uh, all of this stuff is going down and, and, and with Chuck Blazer's involvement in it, um, that it just stopped with Chuck, that there wasn't some other connections taking place uh, somewhere in the United States with individuals or companies uh, as a result. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to follow an interesting uh, uh, process uh, that is still underway and, and looks like it will be underway for quite some time. 
time. And uh, as much as we would love to hit the fast forward button, uh, we can't pass these commercials. We, we just gonna have to wait it out and, <laughs> and see see what happens. Um, Zach, thanks for coming on the show. How can people follow your work and uh, and 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 follow your reporting and, and keep up with uh, the stories that you're covering? Yeah, uh, I write for Law 360. It's a legal news website. Um, so check me out there and also on my Twitter account at Zach Zagger, Z-A-C-H-Z-A-G-G-E-R. Um, I'm usually posting about some breaking developments and, and some of the stories that I'm working on. So check me out there. Zach, thanks for uh, hopping on the show today. Thanks for covering this and kind of walking us through some of these uh, procedures, the individuals involved, etc. cetera. Uh, for those of us who didn't stay in a Holiday Inn or go to law school, it's helpful to have people on that are, that are much smarter than us in these legal issues to explain uh, what, what's really going on. So we appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you. That is Zach Zagger of Law 360. Check him out on Twitter, as he said, at Zach Zagger to follow more breaking news and stories that he's covering. Uh, we'll be right back after this uh, word from Charity Water. Charity Water is an organization that's doing incredible work, even in the midst of this uh pandemic uh, plaguing the world. They're providing clean drinking water that helps people and communities stay disease free and they do it with 100% of your donations going to the cause. It doesn't pay for their staff, doesn't pay for their offices. They raise all that money separately. All the money you give goes directly into the ground to bring up green, clean water and do other initiatives uh, in these villages. It's, a, it's an incredible organization. I encourage you to be a part of it today at charitywater.org. We'll be be right back after this. no child should ever have to drink green water with bugs, with algae, with disease in it. Bad water and a lack of toilets kills more people than all the wars in the world. We know how to bring clean drinking water right now to every single person on earth. And when you can bring water into communities, it truly transforms them. It changes everything. Now you could know that you'd made a difference. You could know that you had truly impacted the life of a family, of a community, of a region. There was either clean water or there wasn't. We believe in a world where every single person has clean and safe water to drink, and we will continue fighting until that happens. tuning in. Thanks to Zach Zagger for joining us today to give us a little insight on those indictments that broke yesterday. In related news, this was uh, published in June 2017 on uh, adage.com. Inquiry, FIFA gave World Cup rights to Fox in order to dodge lawsuit. And I want to revisit this article to uh, to go into a little bit more of what we were just talking about in regards to Fox and these indictments. Whether through rank incompetence or sheer corruption, when FIFA awarded Qatar the rights to host the 2022 World Cup, it effectively cost itself millions in future TV fees and all but guaranteed that Fox and Telemundo would both make a tidy profit on the 2026 tournament. 
In a document released today, International Soccer's governing body effectively owned up to the fact that it all but gave away the rights to the 2026 World Cup to avoid getting dragged into court by Fox. An inquiry into the bidding for the hosting rights to the 2018 and 2022 World Cup FIFA's 353-page doorstep offers some insight into the events of February 2015 when it extended its U.S. TV deals with Fox and Telemundo in a closed auction. At the time, it was suspected that FIFA had granted the extensions at a bargain rate in order to mollify Fox, which was furious that the choice of Qatar as the host nation would necessitate shifting the 2022 World Cup from the summer to the fall. As it turns out, FIFA's generosity was actually a profligate means of sidestepping an even more expensive legal entanglement. Now, keep all this in mind in regards to what we just learned. Fox executives have now been indicted for being a part of these these bribery scandals with votes concerning uh, South American tournaments uh, and Conmebol, but also going back to, to TV hosting rights, etc. I, I think the strings that are getting pulled here, this this next part of the web in the investigations is uh, is going to be uh, involving Fox. Um, and, and whatever FIFA was hoping to avoid, uh, with Fox in terms of lawsuits, it appears that it's coming back, uh, to bite both FIFA and Fox here in the near future. Uh, continuing some issues on page 293 of the document, former FIFA ethics committee chairman, Michael J. Garcia notes that the likelihood of having to reschedule the 2022 world cup, the average summer, summer temperature in Qatar is a scalding 106 degrees Fahrenheit proved to be a bone of contention for Fox and Telemundo. The TV partners in the USA did have some issues as there would be a clash with the American football season. And, 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 we talk about how like that's a big deal in American sports. It's it's a big deal because that is the biggest uh, TV commercial rights property in America, the NFL. But it's not just the NFL. College football is massive as well, way bigger than the pennies they spend on soccer, and way more. Um, then like, like by a factor of three X of what goes into the NBA and, and a factor, um, that is, is about two X of what goes into major league baseball. Um, so when you look at, at this, this situation for Fox, it is huge because everything at Fox, I've talked to people who, who work at Fox and they'll all tell you that that American football is is the holy grail. That is the untouchable. The fact that that was being threatened here or touched uh, by moving this uh, to Qatar and into the winter to try to get the temperatures down a few degrees um, was a big issue for Fox. Um, they were not going to be happy with what they viewed as interference into their holy grail the, the the american football properties that they uh control in other words fox agreed to not drag fifa into court in exchange for the extension which was signed over at a fraction of the original 425 million dollar contract so fox basically threatens a bunch of legal action i'm sure i'm sure that that had to include you know nod nod wink wink look the other way we'll get the fbi we know some things we'll get the fbi involved you don't want the fbi involved um i'm sure it had to have some allusions to that somewhere that initial package includes the 2015 and 2019 women's world cup and the 2018 and 2022 men's tournament if things go according to plan and north america wins the right to host the 2026 world cup fox will pay fifa an undisclosed bonus fee the document released today quotes FIFA Secretary, Secretary General Jerome Falk Valky telling the investig 
investigatory board that in exchange for Fox's willingness to accept a rescheduling of the 2026 World Cup, we agreed that we will extend with Fox for the same price as what they pay for 2022 plus inflation costs. Even with the bonus outlay, the extension likely will be worth every penny. Not only will Fox enjoy a huge rating spike if the 2026 World Cup is held in its own backyard, and at the time this had not been confirmed or awarded, uh, which we now know um, has happened. And, And during the U.S. soccer presidential election that occurred in February 2018, it was it was a done deal. FIFA had basically told everyone, like, it's going to happen in the U.S. We can't put this off anymore. Like, the, the heat's too hot on us. Um, and that's why when, when Carlos was going around telling the Athlete Council, you've got to have me to get the 2026 World Cup, and they believed him, that's their own fault. Because it was coming to America no matter what. Um, and, and that was a line he was using with voters, but it was not true that he was the only one that could get it across the line or that it was in, even in jeopardy. It was coming to the U S no matter what. So that was just, uh, that was so laughable. Um, Fox, uh, not only will Fox enjoy a huge rating spike if the 2026 World Cup is held in its own backyard, but it's going to have a lot more ad inventory to sell. In keeping with the expansion of the field from 32 to 46 teams, the number of World Cup matches Fox will broadcast in 2026 will jump 25% from 64 to 80. The extra games must have Fox and Telemundo ad sales execs dreaming of a soccer windfall. ESPN scared up around $530 million in ad revenue with its coverage of the 2014 World Cup in Brazil and even the most elementary apples to um, Albiol's comparison would suggest that Fox alone could walk away from the 26 confab having collected more than $675 million in sales. Now, keep in mind that they, they basically spent to get these rights um, less than $425 million, according to this, that Fox had, had agreed not to drag FIFA into court in exchange for the extension, which was signed over to a fraction of the original $425 million contract. So you're talking about the opportunity here to be looking at what four or five hundred million dollars off of this one event that they could uh, make net profit, gross profit. For its part, FIFA acknowledged that having to juggle the Qatar schedule will cost it dearly. As Valky says in the report, by rescheduling the World Cup, we are losing money and we are making less money because we are not running an open process, open bidding process in the U.S. market. And we just extend with Fox for the same amount of money. Hello. Transparency. Open bidding. Guess what? The U.S. Soccer Federation does not have an open bidding policy. Transparency policy. It does not exist when it comes to their negotiations for TV and marketing rights. doesn't exist. You think that's a problem? Of course it is. Football versus football. That FIFA never really thought that the whole summer in Qatar angle would be mildly amusing if it didn't imply that the oil-rich nation had to have bribed its way into winning the bid. On page 294, Garcia notes that it appears... Quote, it appears there was a failure to consider the issue of the temperature in Qatar properly prior to the vote to award hosting rights, end quote. Which is the dessert uh, soccer version of Captain uh, Louis Renault exclaiming that he is shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on at Rick's Cafe. Excuse me, the desert soccer version. The medically mandated shift from summer to fall uh, presents Fox with a scheduling conflict. 
as several World Cup matches are likely in, to interfere with its Mega Bucks NFL broadcast. And while Fox can move games that bump up against football football to its FS1 cable outpost, there's no way to avoid a conflict when the final match kicks off unless FIFA moves it from its traditional Sunday slot. At any rate, for all the shadiness to be found in the FIFA inquiry, it is ultimately neither an admission of wrongdoing nor a smoking gun. Long suppressed, the report itself has been instrumental in the removal of a number of bad actors from the organization. But if the inquiry doesn't prove that the rights to the 2022 World Cup were negotiated by bagmen and crooks, the sheer sleaziness of FIFA culture is hard to miss. The Garcia report essentially brushes off the story about an anonymous two million pound deposit that landed in the bank account of the 10 year old daughter of a former FIFA higher up, suggesting that the transfer was more tax dodge rather than bribe. Of particular interest to stateside soccer fans, a separate document released today clears the U.S. Soccer Federation of any malfeasance in its bid for the 2022 World Cup. After progressing through three rounds of bidding where it outlasted the likes of Japan, Korea, and Australia, the U.S. lost the final round at Qatar by a tally of 14 votes to 8. We know now, we know now, this was in 2017, we know now a few things. Number one, the FIFA inquiries have continued. And as news broke yesterday, Qatar and Russia were done with dirty dealings per the indictments. We know that Fox is involved on some level and there is more to come. That's what we know. And that's the trail we should follow. And we shouldn't stop until we know the truth. And it's time. I say this so much. I said it earlier in the show. I'm going to say it right now. If anyone from U.S. soccer, whether you are a state association, whether you work at U.S. soccer, whether you are on the board of directors at U.S. soccer, it is important for the future of the sport to get the governance and transparency policies, the conflicts of interest policies, so updated and secure to prevent the Federation from getting dragged into this and destroyed in the end. Proactivity is required, even if the Federation is clean. It could and should do more to set an example for all of its members, as well as for the members around the world, of what proper governance should look like. And every day that doesn't happen leads to more speculation and more doubt that those involved at the very, very top are not looking out for the best interest of everyone. Because your, your, your board minutes are not out in the open. You do so much work in it executive session as to avoid people on record votes are not made public there's no accountability and transparency here and you know you can say you can make the argument but it's just not happening and uh and that is a major major issue going forward that just it needs to get fixed it needs to get fixed they need to be proactive and they need to implement these policies And state associations and board members, athlete council members, federation members have a a fiduciary duty and and an obligation to protect the sport here in this country. This fire is about to get more hot within the U.S. because if the lights and, and and the intensity is turned up at Fox, there's going to be more that comes out. Be assured there's going to be more and it's going to keep coming. It's not going away. That is our show for today. Thanks to Zach Zagger for joining the show. Appreciate it as always. Hope you have a great day. Stay safe out there. We'll see everyone again tomorrow, same time, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Goodbye. Goodbye.